Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi there and welcome to episode 67 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now it's me back for some fresh episodes. Um, I took a break as I explained in the previous ones where I shared some earlier episodes which I think were foundational for you hopefully if you are revisiting uh, or, or connecting with the the sprout sweating philosophy uh, and really getting your goals around your health and 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 energy and weight loss that kind of thing back in back on track then I think those would be really useful as a good foundation um, what I'm doing now and what I have done over the last, the last five weeks actually is to focus on developing the reshape academy now it's not quite open yet but I am working with some one-to-one and group clients uh, as I've developed the program um, to share as a video program as well. So I'll get on to that in due course. But what I've decided to do as well, having reflected on the previous format of the, the podcast, was to have a Wednesday episode where it was me just talking about particular uh, idea, thought, tips and strategies, and then a Friday interview. I found that that was probably too much in terms of headspace and workload for me to be able to focus and balance my energy and focus on uh, the multiple projects that I've got, particularly around the Reshape Academy. So what I've decided to do is go back to the one episode per week, focus it mainly on an interview, because I've got loads of people um, that I've already interviewed and that I want to build up um, uh, future interviews with um, to share with uh, their expertise and their experiences with you. And at the beginning, put some thoughts or updates on where I am with my own particular goals or some ideas or tips that have just occurred to me or I've picked up through research. Um, So today is the first of those and it's with a client of mine, a former client of mine, Elaine Hudson, who um, worked together several years ago and it's been a delight and a privilege really to see the journey that she's been on over the years. Um, We'll get into that in the episode so I don't want to sort of steal the thunder of the episode but Elaine, for me, epitomizes the spirit of the restless midlifer. Um, that that person who perhaps was finding themselves in a bit of a rut needed something to just jar them out of it. And once they did, once they made some small but significant changes, which is often the way, you know, um, make some small but significant changes, things seem to then build and snowball in the right direction. And then really touching in or tapping into that real human restless spirit that spirit that i think we all have that perhaps life has bashed away um, pushed down that we tend to shut down and in midlife can come back as that small voice that's saying is this it and i think elaine epitomizes that so we get into that we're getting all sorts some of her adventures and some of the work she's done the, the weight loss that she's achieved and what have you so it's a brilliant interview i hope you enjoy it um what i want to do as well is just give you a bit of an update on my operation demo because um I ha- I set this back. You can check earlier episodes where I set this as a, ch- a challenge to myself to to build on the weight loss that I've already had, um, knock through a plateau, and start to just finally get rid of the man boobs, as I <laughs> lovingly call them. Um, and uh, being transparent and and uh, open because I think this is the nature of these journeys when we set ourselves on the goal. I want to tell you where I'm at now. It has been a bit rocky in the sense that. Um, there have been there's been about a period of probably about four to six weeks, possibly longer, where um, I've been maintaining, but not really maintaining any significant routines that have led to the loss of weight, the, the firming up. Certainly been managing the CrossFit, um, but that's even been patchy in the last few weeks, and I'll go into that shortly, um, or has been in the in the weeks prior to the last few weeks, should I say. Um, and coupled with that, a holiday, a honeymoon, delayed honeymoon from last year, um, chucked into the mix, so lots going on. But I think this is the, this is the 
the challenge and we've all got it. And as I've said, I'm a work in progress myself. And it's hopefully I wanted to be encouraging and also to give you the perspective that you do have to give yourself permission to be human. And your goals and how you set about your plans to achieve your goals do need to factor in. They do need to be life proof. You know, we can have the best plans in the world and we can have routines and rituals that we start to embed and they're coasting along nicely. But life happens. Things get in the way, whether it's that accumulation of you know an annual holiday unexpected news increased work pressure those kinds of things can throw you off as it did with me and what i approached it as i always do once i start to realize hang on a minute dave what's going on here is yes i beat myself up a little bit but once i started to realize that that's what i'm doing the old stories creeping in was to say right permission to be human dave come on let's look at this and let's look at it from two perspectives and the two perspectives for me are the first one is to look at the framework and the framing of the habits that I'm trying to maintain and to keep going. Are they working? Are they supporting the habit? And I'll go into that a little bit more next week, but it's about what am I doing before, directly before the habits? What am I doing directly after? What? How do they contribute or get in the way of me achieving the habit itself and, and getting the routines and rituals, like getting the CrossFit, like doing my 60 burpees a day, that kind of thing, um, like the time-restricted eating, which is what I'm particularly focused on. Um, so there's those things. So that's that, That's one aspect. Now, I'll, I'll talk about that next week. The second bit, which I think is a really important question, is what is this a symptom of? And I think this is something that perhaps we don't often focus as much on. We tend to think I'm useless because I'm not sticking to the plan. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And the plan, the goal, the routine, the ritual, not doing it is the problem or becomes the problem. Now, yes, it can be problematic in terms of we don't move towards our goal if we're not doing them. But what if it's a symptom of an underlying um, challenge, imbalance, or something else so elsewhere in the architecture of your life? And that for me, is a useful question. I've used it a lot over the years, but I think, um, and I think it could be very useful for yourselves as well. But on this occasion, what I found was when I went back to it to look at, well, what is it a symptom of? I realized that actually that's the question to ask. It is a symptom. It's a symptom of a big shift in my life. Yes, there was a catch-up. There was a the delayed honeymoon. There was a, another trip. There was a fair bit of work which was crammed around that that I was doing. But I was also at the heart of it making a big decision to shift my focus in my work from speaking and training primarily to focusing on the Reshape Academy, the Midlife Reshape and the coaching around that. Now, I do both that i do both those kinds of work but it was time for me to make the decision one or the other because where's my heart lie and the decision itself is very positive but it brought up fear nerves terror <laughs> to be honest and the old stories who do i think i am to um what makes me think i can do this um you, you're giving up what you're giving up a great business model in order to and those decisions really now that i reflect unsettled me in terms of the stories i tell ourselves my emotions and what have you to the point that whilst i was busy getting on with the stuff i need to get on with i didn't feel that that was simmering away and just knocking me off my game and that realization has helped me start to rejig it now i'm not going to report back on what i'm doing i'll do that over the next few weeks but um, I think it's really important to recognize that the first step is to jar ourselves sometimes into awareness. So those two questions can be useful. What, are, what is the framing and the framework of the habits of routines and rituals? And is it need tweaking? Where's the work that's needed for that? We'll talk about that next week. And that question of what could this be a symptom of? Because often I think that's where the, the habit, the diet, the being off this, the being on that, or not doing, engaging in old unhelpful habits, whatever, can be a symptom of something else.
So, food for thought. Um, uh, I'll shut up now and let uh, let the interview with uh, Elaine uh, crack on. A great interview. I hope you find it inspiring. For, for me, um, Elaine's journey, um, the ups and downs, but the fact that it's not over and that she's still got adventures to have is really, really the spirit of the Met Wrestlers Midlife, but really, really um, inspiring personally as well. And a privilege to have been a part of, a small part of that. So catch you in next week's um, episode after the interview. Let me know any thoughts at Dave at WrestlersMidlife.com and take care for now. Hi, Lynn. It's great to have you along on the uh, the Restless Midlife podcast. Um, we've obviously been on a journey, and I've watched your journey over the last few years with awe. And um, I, I think you, the whole journey you've been on, in, in terms of the things you're doing and have done, is is very inspiring, and certainly speaks to me as as the spirit of the Restless Midlifer. You know that finding that adventure <laughs> and rediscovering yeah. it. So, anyway, do you, without me waffling on anymore, do you want to tell um, uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself and background, and then we'll dig into the the story. Yeah, um, my name's Elaine. I am 48. I'm a mum of a teenage boy, married, and I am a solicitor. And I came across Dave uh, quite a few years ago now, maybe five years, something like that, um, at a meeting at work. We often have uh, a guest speaker at our our national meetings, and um, one of them is often about well-being, mental, physical, stress that sort of thing and when I saw Dave something about his style and the things that he was saying really resonated with me and stuck with me and there was lots of talk about juggling stress in your life and when things get too much and not not making the most of your days and um, work-life balance these sort of things and it it really stuck with me and I hadn't realised I don't think until that meeting that I'd got in a a bit of a bad place with shift. I'm a shift worker, um, and I was just constantly exhausted. And I would work, I would work all night, and then I would wake up and I'd be exhausted. And then yeah, I'd watch a bit of telly, and then I'd I'd go back to work, and I just seemed to not not do an awful lot with my free time. And I, I realised that there were things. I really needed to focus on to change that and that was the start of it really um me thinking there is more to life than just working and being knackered basically and that was yeah and it really did stick with me and I remember sending a message to um our business manager who would who would book Dave and I I said you know it was amazing and I, I really took a lot away from the talk which honestly often that doesn't happen <laughs> Um, and she said that the, we have a budget to spend on our mental and physical well-being. And she said, if you want to do some one-to-one work with Dave, we will we will fund that. And I thought that's great. And then that's how I came to came to work with Dave, and things started to change for me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, I remember that. I, I, it's funny, isn't it, with the COVID that that feels like a time warp. But I think it will be about five years. I think plus. it probably is. Yeah. That was down. Was it uh, Manchester or? Yes, I think yeah. it was Manchester. Yeah. yeah, you lose track, but yeah, yeah. So that that was interesting. And uh, anyway, we we kind of started that journey, and I know um, it was a starting point. And we'll we'll dig into that a little bit just to get the feel, because I think sometimes counterintuitively the things that happen 
they can start from little things, can't they? Little yeah. changes and transformations. And that's really what I talk about sprout sweating, the small yeah. stuff, you know, the small significant things. You can make some real big, amazing changes just by addressing some of those smaller things. And then, and then we'll get into your journey because I think it's just it's brilliant. So anyway, do you want to talk about that initial bit that we, you know, the, the, those initial first few weeks of that, that not necessarily the coaching experience, but what, what happened and, and the journey? Yeah. I mean, um, Dave was very much guided by, you know, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to focus on? And the main thing for me, uh, being a shift worker, I'd been a shift worker for about 10 years by this point, and I still was not coping very well with with them at all. My shifts were very often, they would start at 11pm at night, they would finish at 7 or 8 in the morning, I was struggling to sleep. Um, I was just constantly exhausted. So the first thing that we really focused on was sleep. And Dave had some amazing um, tips, uh, different things that I had to change about um, my bedroom, the lighting, what I ate, what I drank. A lot of it, unfortunately, couldn't apply to me. Things like going to bed at the same time, keeping that routine was just, you know, I had to do a lot of working around the shifts and, and my sleep did, in, did improve um, very much so. And I managed to change a couple of the night shifts as well, which um, was was life changing. I've now gone part time <clears throat> because, um, you know, I, I can lucky um, I can afford to do that. And again, that's been life changing. So just by getting the sleep aspect sorted, that gave me energy then to to focus on other things that I just, you know, I, I, I never hardly did any exercise. Um, I didn't spend time in nature. I didn't do very much at all because I was just constantly exhausted and, you know, worried about, oh, I'm not going to get through this next night shift. So, yeah, it is a very much a snowball effect. And once I'd got the sleep side sorted, um, I had so much more energy. And that, I think, gave me, um, you know, that, that that much needed boost to to get the weight off. I piled the weight on um, because I have got a sedentary desk job. Shift work again is not great for um, like your mental or physical health. So I had <clears throat> I had piled the weight on, and I decided right now's the time to to start to try and get that off. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. You talk when you talk about you you started with getting the energy, and I've just I've just done an interview um, with. Um, well, I've done a couple actually recently with some some people in the financial space and it talks about getting your finances right and there are comparisons in the sense that financially you just need to create create some space some financial space in order to and once you clear that you clear a bit of headspace you can start to think about it. and I think it's the same with energy isn't it if you're feeling um, run down just totally tired all the time it's really hard to think about the big stuff the big goals um, and so I think that makes a heck of a difference doesn't it I remember when we've talked before you you talked about the, that you felt like it was a bit of a rut that that the routines were a bit you were in a bit of a rut around that um, yeah. yeah I mean it would my life was just um you know work um school runs um there was no sort of joy in it and the, the downtime that I did have was kind of wasted doing things I didn't enjoy like watching telly and um yeah so I needed to to do things it would make my mental and physical health improve um, and once I got the sleep sorted that that was a real snowball effect um, from there on really yeah 
I think that's something that many of us can relate to. I know that there's been times, probably a couple of times in my life where I've, you do feel like you fall into that those routines. And it's it's understandable because we're habitual creatures and and life is full on, isn't it? You, you've got yeah. your life, you work, your family, and, and none of those things are particularly, you know, you, you don't want to sacrifice them, you know, family, et cetera. It, it's just that you then forget about you in the middle yeah. of that. Um, yeah. And I think that's something a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. And you, I don't, you know, you, you've got to make time for you and you've got to, you've got to put the work in if you want to have good mes- mental and physical health. And I, I kind of wasn't doing that. And I, it's a, it's a slow process, I think. And you, you, know, you don't realise that you just, you're kind of running on empty a lot of the time, even though you're not doing very much, if that makes sense. You're just kind of coping. Yeah. Yeah. That, that- that phrase running on empties, um, I think that's a powerful thing because I think you can get used to running on empty or almost on empty and, and just sort of chugging along, can't you? And just doing what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's that's something a lot of us can relate to. And like I say, so, certainly me. And I think it's that point that it doesn't have to be that way. But sometimes you just need a moment or something to help you sort of see it a little bit differently. So, I mean, obviously this was, as you said, the snowball, you started to do that. What were the first things that you started to do then? Because um, Yeah, I mean, once I I started to get my sleep sorted and I had more energy in the day, um, I thought I need to lose the weight and I'd like to get fit. Um, And I kind of don't, I don't do things by halves. I wouldn't recommend doing this, but um, there was a charity that was doing, 100 consecutive days of running and you had to run a minimum of two miles every single day for 100 days and it was a charity that was quite close to my heart it was run by the father of the uh, one of the two police officers who were, were shot the female police officers who were shot and killed in Manchester yeah um and I, I'd actually met I'd actually met them when I used to work in Manchester and I thought if her dad can go out every day and run um after losing his daughter then I can mm. and the first day I ran I spent most of it probably lying on the pavement I couldn't <laughs> run I couldn't run for a bus yeah. but I was determined to run that two miles and um, like I say I wouldn't recommend it you're probably going to get injured but and the next day I could hardly walk went out again ran the two miles um, I logged it all on a fitness app to keep me accountable so it was there every day um, and I and I did it. I did the hundred days of running, um, and by the end of it, you know, I could I could run the two miles quite easily, and that led on to other things. Um, my friend took me to join um, a running club, um, so that I wasn't running on my own every day and doing the same boring run. Um, and I remember the first time I turned up at the athletics track, there was me and I think three blokes who used to run about. Five or six minute mile, and yeah. I could probably run, you know, a ten minute mile. Um, but they were lovely. They weren't elitist or snobby. They were so welcoming, um, and I'm still at that running club now. And mm-hmm. um, the running really helped with the eating and the sleep as well, because I think once you sort your sleep out, you eat better. And I was running, so I wanted to fuel my body for that. Um, so that led on to you know trying to eat much better. Um, and I lost over five stone um, actually quite quickly, mm. um, which again then snowballed onto other things that I wanted to do to look after my physical and mental health. 
Yeah, because so much there. So firstly, I, the 100 days, I mean, that's, that shows the determination. And, and um, yeah, it, it's horses for courses. You know, people will hopefully pick whatever suits them, what have you. But I think there is, you mentioned about the work. I think there is always going to be work in this, isn't there? Yes, very least. much so, yeah. But, yeah, but it's, it's a work that um, I enjoy. I like the challenge that I would set myself. You know, you can't rely on motivation. And this was a lot of the other work that I did that I did with you was, you know, that motivation is not going to last forever. You've got to have a routine. You've got to have that structure. You've got to have that dedication and that work ethic. But if you, you know, if you find something that you love, then it isn't a chore and you actually feel really good about yourself, but you you know you stuck to things and and see the progress and the rewards from it. Yeah, and I think so that 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 finding something you love it can be a bit daunting maybe if you haven't been particularly active or, or tried things out. But there's also a little bit of excitement in that because yeah. I think you you find out what you what you do love. And to be fair, you've you've added to your repertoire of things that you do, which we'll get into no doubt. But I think, funny enough, I had a conversation with somebody at the CrossFit box today and um, uh, she was saying that, because um, we're talking about midlife and she's not, you know, she's a lot, lot younger, but what she was saying was, I don't want to be thinking, constantly thinking about my image and, and weight and all of that all of the time. And I, we had a discussion and I kind of thought, you know, I do the CrossFit and yes, I do it for the benefits, but I've grown to, I really love it. So it's not like it's always on my mind that I must do. And that's the magic of trying to find yeah. things, I think, you know, that you enjoy. So you so you did the, I mean, what, 100 days is three and a, three and a bit months, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, a, without a day off. It was, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really tough. It was mentally tough because I was working shifts as well. So if I was, you know, I finished an overnight shift and then, I'd wake up, get my little boy from school, and then I'd start working. And I had to get that running, no matter how awful I was feeling. There were times that I was ill, and I still dragged myself out because I'd got to 85 days. I was like, no way I'm missing a day now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and all credit to you, because, I mean, there is some determination in there with that. Now, you mentioned uh, a couple of things. You talked about that. How Was it that you said that you fit, the running helped with your sleep or – the diet I, I, I was trying to pick up which way around the, the, the sleep was the first thing and that gave yeah. me the energy to start running right um, and I think once I'd started to look after my physical health and I mean running when you're five stone overweight is not easy <laughs> um and I just wanted to get the weight off I thought you know enough is enough I hadn't realized how much it had creeped on and how much better I started to feel when I lost it so um but the running definitely helped with my eating because I wasn't the sort of person who would go out for a run and say, oh, I'm going to reward myself with a Mars bar now. It was like, I've just, that was awful. That was really hard and I'm not going to ruin it. So it helped me definitely um, have better eating habits. Yeah, they kind of went hand in hand, I think. Yeah, and I'll ask you about the eating side in a moment, if you don't mind. But um, I think that's an interesting thing because that's the challenge with doing fitness um, is that if you're kind of doing it in order to, I, I, I've got a mate who I remember a few years ago, got really into running. He used to say, I'm earning beer credits. That's what he'd say. I'm going for a run earning beer credits. Yeah. And we'd have a laugh. Yeah. But if you think about it. You've got to have a long way to get beer credits. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of work got to be done for beer credits. But, but also it's that idea that you license yourself to then have stuff, which, 
you know, if yeah. you're in a place where you're managing, maintaining it, it's probably okay. But it's that danger of licensing. It is, you know, we yeah. morally license it. Oh, I deserve it. I've worked hard. And actually, it, it is potentially undermining or definitely undermining the effort yeah. that you've just put into that. So I think yeah. that's an interesting one. I love the yeah, way you fr- framed it for yourself as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, women especially, um, I'm just too old for that nonsense now, but yeah. when I was younger, people would punish themselves with exercise. So they would go to the gym and they'd say, I've got to come here because I've eaten this, so I've got to burn this off. And it would be almost a punishment. I've got to burn this amount of calories because that's what I've eaten and I've got to burn off that, you know, that whatever I had, that dessert or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I understand that because that, there's yeah, a, there was a big, very big focus, and and I think what we've learned now is that obviously, firstly, the the it's very hard to burn off a burger, you know, in terms of exercise, but also yeah. it's really hard to be accurate. The the from my understanding, in terms of reading around the research, is that the devices that we use or the rough calculations oh, they massively often... overestimate, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. But also just just coming at it from that sort of frame of mind. It, you know, I used to go to the gym and do lots of classes and, you know, get all sweaty and not really enjoy it and not make any progress. It was just something I feel I should do this. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's a biggie. It is about what you find you enjoy. And I know you can grow to enjoy something, um, you know, with you've got to give it enough time to see is this something that's going to stick I think there's a there's yeah. an element of that but there are some things you think this is just not me so you know you kind of you, you <laughs> yeah. give yourself permission to move on what life's too short isn't it to put to yeah. push yourself through it um, and there are so many different opportunities uh different things you could do but before we get into some of those other things you you talked about your the eating side was there anything just out of interest was there anything approach or anything that you sort of did with that or was it just a natural thing that started to fall out as a result of the work you were doing um well I went to um like a slimming group which to be honest I didn't enjoy it (laughs) yeah I didn't you know but the only thing I found beneficial from that was the weekly weigh-in, you know, yeah. being accountable, having to go along and knowing that I would be accountable every week. Um, but I, I, I didn't really enjoy the sort of group sessions. I didn't find those particularly helpful. So I did keep going just to get the, the weigh-in. But the way I got my weight off, um, I did intermittent fasting. Right. So uh, I wouldn't eat for quite a lot of the day and then I'd have a large meal at night. Um, and that worked really well for me and I just ate a much um, higher protein low carb diet so it wasn't like a keto or anything like that but instead of having um, you know chips or pasta I would just have like meat and vegetables instead and that worked really well for me it filled me up um, and it just kind of settled into that routine and it, it did work really well for me I didn't struggle with you know once I got into the routine I didn't struggle the weight came off really quite quickly with all the exercise yeah and I think that's the key is to find what works for what you, works you in it yeah. or that you can settle into a routine with yeah rather than trying to stick to something that somebody else says you should do or this yeah. is the latest whatever but it's interesting isn't it that um I, I, I'm just I'm curious as well about the intermittent fasting and how that worked because I, that doesn't work for everybody but it no. also there are there are what I've found for me but also other people is if you tend to have plenty going on in your life as in work and other things, that that seems to be something that can fit, that can sort of dovetail a bit into life. So how, what what do you think it was that helped? How did that help you? Or how did it sort of settle in as a routine for you? 
reasonable. Well, I've always been told, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You must yeah. have breakfast. And then I read a book called, I think it's actually here, and I think it's called uh, Breakfast is the Most Important Meal of the Day, Not, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I read it, and it was saying, you know, your hunger hormones are at their lowest in the morning. And for some people, yes, if they don't have breakfast, they'll be eating cakes at 11 o'clock. But for a lot of people, you, your hunger is the least. You know, why would you eat when force yourself to eat when you don't want to, when you're trying to lose weight? And for some people, once they start eating, they don't stop. And that was me. Once I'd had my breakfast, I'd eat something else and something else. And I actually found that, um, especially if I got myself busy in the day and active, I could go all day until sort of tea time. Uh, if I was really hungry, I would have something to eat, a snack at lunch. Um, but often I would just have one meal a day yes. about five o'clock. And then I would, def- you know, I would start working the evening and I would still have my treats because I've not eaten that many calories. because of the intermittent fasting so yeah it definitely worked for me yeah yeah and I still still do it now not every day um but some days you know quite often we'll have breakfast um quite often we'll have one really quite big nice meal to look forward to in the evening yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it I think we can fall into some of these as you say the breakfast is most important meal of the day I think that that originated from some interpretation of some review might have been a meta review of a bunch of different sort of um results and 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 what have you and actually it was misinterpreted I think wasn't it so it's um I read it and it just made a lot of sense to me yeah yeah, and I thought, yeah. actually, you don't need to eat breakfast. You know, you look at it from an ancestral sort of point of view as well, and it talks a lot about that. And, you know, you would um, you would find your food, you would kill your food. You didn't have refrigerators. They couldn't keep their food, so they would eat the food. And it was very much, um, you know, periods of famine and, and then, yeah. um, you know, eating. And that's kind of naturally how we are. I thought, yeah, that does make sense to me. And I wasn't, I didn't spend all my days hungry and thinking about food. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah I think and that's an interesting one because again it's it's starting to get to know yourself isn't it because uh, as I say I do know people who you know because of the, the the routines rituals it is something they have to have etc but we, we get to know ourselves which is a biggie so that that kind of settled in as a routine um did, did you mentioned calories now was that something I'm just curious was that something that you monitored or was it just something that you kind of intuitively felt like you know I probably haven't had a lot today I have done a lot that kind of thing how did you work that um, I didn't I didn't count my calories because I was only having one meal a day yeah um, it's actually difficult to go over your whatever yeah. your calories my calories probably would have been I don't know 1700 calories a day if you're only eating one meal a day it's pretty difficult to get a meal that's got 1700 calories in it if you're eating healthy which I yeah. was you know um, even though I would have like a, a big bag of sweets at work so I didn't track it Um that is something I recently I have done um, with with my uh, weightlifting coach, I've, I've had the nutrition side for a while, and that was very much tracking your sleep, tracking your steps, tracking all your macros, tracking your calories. So I did track it, but that was sort of recently, not when I was losing the weight. Yeah, and that's interesting because it's 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 a tool that you can bring in and out as and when you need it. So we'll dig into that actually, and as we go forward. So yeah, so it's interesting. So that that started in it, and it started to build, and you start to feel better, um, and you join the running club. So so what started happening now? Because obviously, the, the, how how long did it take you roughly to do you think to sort of lose that five stone, or was it sort of a a chunk and then the, the the last stone or two took a lot longer how did it how did that yeah, work that is exactly how it was I lost four stone uh in about 
five months so really yeah. quickly and then the last kind of 10 pound I think took about three months yeah. to get the last yeah that last sort of 10 pounds to a stone took ages <laughs> yeah yeah I think that can that seems to be typical as well isn't it as the body starts to get um yeah. get get a bit like how <laughs> come on now yeah. you're taking the mickey you're taking taking it too much but yeah no but I think that's a, that's just the natural adaptation of the body isn't it as it's as yeah. it's sort yeah. so yeah so so that as you got to there did, was that a target that you had in mind or was it just what you kind of started to feel yeah I'm I'm happy happier now type of thing I just thought it was a nice round number. I think I'd lost about half one and a half stone. I was happy at that. And I think I lost I think I'd lost about four stone nine pounds. And I thought, oh, five stone, that that sounds good. I think I was I think I'd only lost five stone for about two days. <laughs> I put it like those couple of pounds back on, but I just wanted my five stone certificate yeah. from the swimming club. So yeah. yeah. And that put me in the healthy healthy weight bracket for my height. So yeah. yeah. Cool. And so obviously the the running was this the sort of the, the the kicking off point but I know it led to more than it what tell tell us about your, your sort of what it moved into because I know it's had a bigger impact not just on physical health but your psychological and, and mental health I guess as a, as a yeah um, I mean I'm I'm certainly not a good runner at all I'm one of the slowest runners even now one of the slowest runners at my running club but I realized just the benefit of movement and movement um, outdoors I never run on a treadmill it's always outdoors so from there um, I started hiking um, I live very near the Lake District I'm very lucky um, and my husband works up in the Lake District and yeah I just started going out walking and realised how much I enjoyed that so I set myself a challenge of doing all the the Wainwrights which are um the hills and mountains in the Lake District. There's 214 of those. So I decided, yep, that's going to be my next challenge, even though I've never been up a mountain in my life. Couldn't navigate, didn't have any gear, just just started from um, a friend from the running club actually took me up Helvellyn. I had no idea what to expect, no idea whether I'd get to the top. And just the feeling of accomplishment that I got when I got to the top, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is amazing. Why have I never done this before? drag me to the lakes it's boring um yeah so after that day I thought I'm gonna go and do another mountain another mountain and then I heard about the Wainwrights and the Wainwright challenge so I think I I was it 2018 or 2019 I, I started from scratch and decided to do them all in a year and it's one of the best things that I've ever done just being out in nature um a lot of it was on my own I really enjoyed the solitude um, and that led to starting while camping just because of the journey so I would um, drive out there walk all day drive back and then drive back the next day I thought well, that's the cost of petrol especially now so yes yeah, so I started um, taking a little tent camping on the top of the mountain and then carrying on walking the next day so again the benefits of just being out in nature uh, camping under the stars um, it's just been amazing know and I think well what would I have been doing this time last year just watching something on Netflix that I can't even remember now what it is um yeah it's been life-changing yeah so just so you were taking up very little gear but you went up in the hell and I think you've now developed a healthy obsession should we say for for equipment for (laughs) tents and things on you from what I see yeah I've got a bit of a 
a temp problem now, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Probably not a bad problem to have, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I, I remember watching um, because you regularly posted about your the walks and whatever, and yeah. um, sort of absorbing the the countryside by pictures. It was um, it, it was amazing, and it saw that the, the walks itself is a heck of a challenge. Um, oh and yeah, opens yeah, up the I mean, world. It's, it's not you know it's not easy climbing up. Um, in all sorts of conditions, the heat or the snow or the wind. Um, yeah, you certainly get tested. So how did it, again, it's a challenge and, you know, the accomplishment that you get when you when you complete it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, how, I mean, the wild camping, I get what the logic why. I could still see it being a bit of a step. You know, if I was to imagine, right, I'm just going to do a pitch up for the first night. That, how did that feel doing that the first time? The first time um, I just camped um, at a sort of, not really a campsite, but a, a field at the bottom of Scarfell Pike. And then the, the next time um, I picked a very, very low hill that you could just walk up a grassy path. So I knew that, you know, if I was in any trouble up there, I could just walk down to my car in the night. You know, it was like a 20 minute walk. Um, and actually, I was, I loved it. You know, people say, aren't you scared? And I really wasn't, um, there's nothing to be scared of. Nobody knows you're there. People think they were like axe murders wandering around the hills. You know, we don't have any any predators. Any, the only danger is the weather. Um, and again, that's why I'm a bit of a gear addict now because that can that can be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that you, you started, I guess, in that small way, you know, small, safe way, but built as your confidence and your experience grew, which is which yeah. is. Really- yeah, I mean, the first time you go out, you pick a very low hill. Um, you go when the, the forecast is glorious sunshine, and then you build up from there, and you end up camping yeah. in minus 10 and gale force winds <laughs> and snow. Um, but, yeah, you build that up slowly, of course, yeah. And I've met, again, I do some of it on my own. I've met some amazing people through this this hobby as well. Yeah. And and cooking skills, just as a quick aside before we move on to, to, to the, your, your cooking skills on the side of a mountain road always seem very impressive because there's always a nice little pan with some very, what looks like very tasty food cooking away in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a good cook, but these packet rice, you can, you can get these packet rice um, high calorie things. They're about eight or nine pounds for a packet of rice. And to me, cooking and photography as well they're just just mm. a part of the whole experience yeah I mean, I'm a very keen photographer and you know hiking and wild camping just fits very nicely with that but um I mean don't be fooled by the pictures of my food they are they are just like <laughs> a jar of sauce and some rice generally <laughs> All right, so you've ruined the illusion there now for me. But, but the photography is just, again, another thing, because you used to be a photographer, didn't you? Was that before? Um, uh, I used to. It's always been like a passion of mine and a hobby. Yeah. And then I started to do it professionally just as a sideline because I used to work part-time when I had my baby. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll set up my own little business. But to be honest, um, I found it quite stressful. It took the joy out of something I loved. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, I just I just found it quite stressful, and I I stopped doing it because I wanted it to be a hobby rather than something that I had yeah. to do. Um, I did uh, weddings for a few friends, and just the stress of you know, God, if I, if I don't get this picture of a walking down the aisle with a dad, like that's it, you know. Uh, yeah, it was really difficult, and I'm not 
kind of bossy it was like herding cats as well you know I used to have to take my mum to shout at everybody and I'm like no this is <laughs> it's not for me yeah. but I still love it I still love it as um, just as a hobby don't forget if you're finding that your health has taken a backseat whilst you work to achieve greatness in other areas of your life the reshape academy my coaching and programs are here to help you continue to achieve that success with and not at the expense of your health. Find out more at midlifereshape.com. Yeah. It sounds like that, although there's a point where before the journey started, if you like, where you you were in a rut and realised that that there was still, there was that spirit in you to to try things, to do things. Is that that how, how would you describe you as a person, you know, before, you know, or generally, because obviously it seems like the spirit's there now, out out of the ground. I think it was and for me I think when I started um because I've always been a solicitor I was a defense solicitor and then a prosecutor so I spent my days in court with a hustle and bustle of that and then I started working from home on my own at night you know I work nights and weekends on social hours and the night shift just totally drained me and just Mm. bit by bit I think it yeah it really wasn't good for me. And I know a lot of my colleagues feel the same. And I, But I did enjoy the job. I liked working on my own. I liked the sort of peacefulness of it. And I thought, how can I make this work for me? And and I and now I have, but it did take a while to, to find my feet. And it definitely took some help from you. Yeah, I, I think this is where, uh, you know, we, we, we might do something we love or enjoy, but by increments you can sort of start to lose a bit of yourself or other parts of yourself in that and and this is really it's about recalibrating and 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 getting back to that because you can make things work for yourself there might be challenges financially and what have you that you have to address first I guess but I think getting back to that spirit of whatever that is it for you it's that adventure and trying things and setting goals a question on the goals then because that seems to be a, a a key thing throughout this journey is that you you have something that you're working towards have some focus have something that you're challenged that kind of thing it, how, how does that play into to, to you and, just, and motivate yeah, you I just have to have that otherwise I'm, I'm a bit rubbish at sticking to things <laughs> even though I enjoy them you know if I I, I managed to get a ballot place in the London Marathon this year so I'm now training three times a week for that um if I didn't have that, I'd just be doing the odd park run. I still like running, but I have to have some challenge to focus that mm. goal on. Otherwise, I would just, yeah, I would be lazy. <laughs> I, I wonder if many of us probably can relate to that because I know, um, I think we're probably goal oriented creatures generally, aren't we? we, we, we we've yeah. evolved to, to need to sort something, to achieve something, to, to make family safe, get food, that kind of thing. And yeah. I think it's translating that into the day to day life that we have. I know when I did my cycle challenges, um, 2010, 2012, London, sorry, Lands and John O'Groats, 2010, London to Barcelona, 2012, cycling. Um, it was the fact that I had that coming up that motivated me to change. Terror was probably a, a yeah, <laughs> but, but it was also motivation. It gives you something to work towards, doesn't it? Yeah, I, have, um, I just have to love that. Yeah, yeah. So go on. So after the uh, as you got into the running, I know there was obviously some more things. There's a walking, which I think is brilliant challenge. It's one of the best things because it's outside. Yeah, and, and it's something that everybody can do. I know a lot of people think, oh, I could, could never run, or a lot of people hate running, and I totally understand that. You know, I don't know how people who go out running never go out again because it's awful but you do you know you do it just takes a while and then you do get kind of into that zone um but walking is something that anybody anybody can do and the benefits are, are just enormous 
Yeah. So you then, there was um, cycling, you did a bit of biking. What was the story there? Or what is the story there? For yeah, um, I, was so, I was so bad at running and I thought, well, what else can I do? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll start cycling. I was actually a half decent cyclist um, and I did a few a few cycling challenges. I've done the coast to coast. Um, not the Land's End, John O'Groat, coast to coast, the, the short way, yeah. um, but that was hard enough. I've done that a couple of times. Um, uh, I've done a couple of hundred mile cycles. Um, yeah, and I, I did enjoy cycling. I really get out on my bike now. I've had that many close misses with drivers. It actually frightens me a bit. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, I do enjoy being out on my bike, but the roads are just quite dangerous I worry and I'm not sure it's worth the risk for me hmm. um, yeah it's a shame because uh, yeah. I was a much better cyclist than, than I am a runner <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I get what you mean I mean I enjoy cycling but I, you know in terms of you, the, the, the roads is something to weigh into it isn't it and yeah. what I mean. but yeah. yeah um so obviously after the with the the Wainwright walks and the the wild camping you, you're still doing that obviously you completed that challenge yeah, still yeah I, I still do that I get out um often you know I try and get out every week for a walk uh I shall be camping most of next week with a heat wave yeah, yeah so and wild swimming and wild swimming yeah again that's something I'd never ever done ever um and I decided to get some lessons just because when you're hiking it's absolutely roasting I thought it looks really quite appealing to get in there but I wouldn't know where to start so I got a coach I got 10 lessons in um a quarry right. I don't remember the first time that I met the lady I said I'm not going out of my depth I'm not putting my head in um and if I see a fish I'm getting out and she's like <laughs> oh, that's fine that's absolutely fine and within just a few weeks of of of, of seeing her I was you know I was swimming laps around around the quarry with you know great big I'm not sure what sort of fish they are but they're huge and yeah 16 foot deep quarry whatever it is yeah so that led to you having the confidence to then take dips when you're out on your walks is that how that started off yeah yeah definitely yeah just learning all about the safety of open water and just becoming a stronger swimmer and Again, having the right gear, having your toe float, having your wetsuit, which was stuff that I'd never owned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. So it, it's kind of working out what you don't know as well, isn't it? So I, I think that's where that coaching, those kind, that kind of coaching can come in really handy. Well, mm-hmm. tell us about the latest stuff then, because it's not just stopped there, though, has it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a bit of a fitness fanatic from couch potato to fitness fanatic. Um, but the benefits are, I just for your mental health as well as your physical health like I can't explain how much you know strength you get from camping on the top of a mountain on your own that that you know that transfers into the rest of your life and your work and decisions that you have to make and all sorts but yeah I've suffered with sciatica um for many many years some days it was okay other days I've struggled to even get out of bed and walk and I had tried everything i yeah, try physio, acupuncture, every different device, drug that you can imagine, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I remember reading somewhere about, you know, you don't have a bad back, you have a weak back, and the only way to strengthen it is to put it under stress and it will adapt. And I, I thought, well, that's true, because I've, I've learned that from my running and hiking, your body adapts to this stuff. 
Um, I thought, well, I'll just go and go and try lifting some heavy weights. And again, I'm lucky that I can afford to get a coach. I'd seen something in the paper about a lady that lived down the road from me was doing some heavy world record attempts and that she was a coach. And I thought, well, I'll just go and see her. <laughs> um, so I went and explained that I wanted to start lifting heavy weights to strengthen my back. And she said, okay, let's see, you know, how much can you deadlift? I said, I don't know, I've never done a deadlift in my life. Um, and it was something about 50 kilograms the first day. And then um, I booked six weeks with this lady and she's actually world famous. I'd never heard of her. <laughs> um, and I've become really good friends with her. I still see her now. And within six weeks of seeing her, my back problems that I'd had for over a decade were gone. And I've never had them since. Mm. Um, and she was such an inspiration to me, the things that she'd achieved in her life, that she introduced me to the sport of strongman, which is what yeah. I do now. Um, I train four times a week and I compete in that. I've done three competitions now and I've got another coach and I train three times a week with a, a small group of other um men and women all my age all quite new to the sport and I've just made some amazing friends out of that as well yeah I, I mean it, it, it's amazing I think it, it's you mentioned something before that I've heard a lot when people start on this journey is this once you start to get fitter and stronger it affects other areas of your life oh, usually, like your decisions yeah. and what yeah. have you and I think it opens you up to thinking about, well, my back, I've heard that this week, it's not a, a, a bad back, it's a weak back. That kind of, it opens you up to, to possibilities, I think, sometimes, doesn't it, there, for, for you to then start pursuing. And that yeah. really, for me, is a spirit of adventure. But I yeah. guess, I mean, as I said, this is this is why I was wanting to, to have you on, really, to talk, because I think it's really inspirational. And I think, for now I haven't worked with lots of, lots of people, there, there is, you know, if we find ourselves... Um, at a place where your health, your energy, your weight isn't where you want it to be, getting started is often a hard thing, isn't it? Because of the confidence. There's the physical things just to balance out and, you know, you might need sort of a bit of sleep first, that kind of thing. But there's also the confidence issue. And I know I'm a bloke and I speak to a number of blokes who they feel quite, you know, they're doing some training outside of the gym. You know, they've got they've got a coach or a personal trainer, but they're still reticent to go into the gym to start doing some of that lifting of weights. Yeah. Um, but again, from conversations, obviously I haven't experienced myself, conversations with women as well in that, is that, that there's an added layer of that to it, potentially intimidation. I don't know, what were your thoughts? Any thoughts around that? Because I think it's an I important think, thing to yeah. address. Really. I think for me, I'm at the age and I don't really care too much what yeah. people think. And I think that's come from losing the weight, doing the running. So when I started going to the gym, I, I really couldn't care less what anyone else thought. And... I'm quite lucky, really, that that's, that's the way I feel. I mean, I walked into this gym. I had no idea what a strength gym even was. It's not a commercial gym. It's totally different. I walked in. I didn't know at the time, but I was surrounded by world record-holding athletes. Um, and she got me an empty bar, and she said, we'll just start with this empty bar. And I was like, there's no going anywhere. <laughs> and she said, I'll get you a lighter bar. And I think it was, it was 12 kilograms this bar. And I still, I was weak as a kitten. 
Um, and I couldn't even lift it. And she had to go and get a broom handle out the toilet. I mean, I was, there was women there putting 100 kilograms above the head. And I was started with this broom handle. And I, I was just made to feel so welcome. Um, you know, yeah, it, it, it was just, just great. And I look back now, you know, to the sort of weights that I can lift now. And they just seemed absolutely impossible. I, I, there's no way I will ever lift that and she's like you will you will um and consistency is 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 key it really is um but i and i think the best thing about the sport of strongman is that you're not training you don't care what your body looks like you're not training for any sort of aesthetic purpose you're training for strength and for the numbers on the bar and what your body can do and i think it really makes you appreciate um your body for what it is which is yeah. you know this vessel and you know I I've still got rolls of fat stretch marks cellulite you know I, I just couldn't care just couldn't care less um I mean I'm glad I'm not younger and growing up with social media like the young girls do these days but you know my training is purely now for performance it's all about you know what can I lift what can I what competitions can I enter and then training to kind of try and get to that weight and yeah. it's just been the best thing ever just taking that focus away from oh I've got to run on this depot burn off that McDonald's I had it's just not that mentality at all and it's for me it's much healthier and much more enjoyable to do a sport you love to set goals for yourself that are physical rather than aesthetic you know I'm glad I've lost my weight I'm glad I'm a healthy weight um but other than that do I care about having a certain size waist or no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's. I wonder if um, you know, in terms of life, that shedding of some of that pressure that we possibly put ourselves, or definitely put ourselves on, under as a young younger person, and that I totally get. You know, you look at the youth today and the pressures that they're under. Oh, it's so yeah. magnified. And that point that there's an opportunity as we get into midlife to when we start to reclaim our health and start to shift things around is to say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going back to there. That's not what I'm worried about. What I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to, as you say, get to a shape I'm com- uh, a, weight, a weight that I'm comfortable, get stronger, just feel better in myself, get that healthier step back and have some goals, something that proves to me. And this is what I think you epitomized to me is that. You know, um, it doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter what we're doing, it doesn't matter, and it feels like you're going to just keep going, and it doesn't. You know, there will always be something in the future. You know, whatever the next challenge is, whatever the next one is, and to me, that's that's the spirit of that restless midlifer, really, isn't it? That yeah. But I just want to say to people that you know, if I can do it, anybody can, because I have no natural ability or talent when it comes to any sport whatsoever I don't have good genetics for sport at all you know I'm academic desk job that's me um you know I I did my competition I came last there were seven of us and I came last by quite a lot but it doesn't matter I was competing against me Um, and I got PBs huge PBs in every single event and that was what it was about so I came away from that as the last place winner definitely and the people were amazing everybody you know I've met so many lovely people in this sport you know and I train now three times a week 
I go to my set sessions and there's hardly ever a time that I think oh I don't want to go to this like I'd feel like I'd lost my right arm if I couldn't go yeah. my friends now they're like a little family for me yeah yeah and I've, I've spoken about that in the past a couple of times as well I think it's the community that you build up around it that, that, that it's a it's an unexpected for me it was an unexpected um huge bonus that then keeps you going keeps you feeling yeah. like you have to go and adds to the enjoyment of it so very yeah. much so yeah. yeah yeah I mean I have got I've built up quite a lot of decent sort of gym kit at home mm. and if I have to I will train at home on my own but generally I would much rather train with a coach and with the other the people that I compete with because yeah. they're, they're like-minded people they're very goal orientated they're very positive they they we support each other yeah I love that a quick a quick question about the um the you're competing against yourself because I think that's an interesting one isn't it that um it can it can be easy to sometimes and, I, and maybe it's with the male ego in me that sometimes I look around the gym and, and I think oh I should be pushing this that that kind of way but coming back to it when I'm sitting doing the crossfit and I've got a bar in front of me and I'm thinking right I can get so absorbed in doing the technique right and then just seeing those small incremental changes, the sprout, yeah. sprout size changes, I guess, and feeling such a great feeling of like, yes, I'm improving, I'm progressing, I can see this. And, yeah. and that that's what it really, that's where and the that's what is. you have to focus on. I think it was William Shakespeare, wasn't it, who said comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true because if I compared myself to any other competitors, I would just think, oh, I'm not doing this, I'm not good yeah. at it. But if I compare myself to how I was five years ago, um, you know, when I compare myself to people who compete, I'm competing, you know, I'm comparing myself to some of the strongest women, you know, <laughs> out there. So it's just, you know, it's stupid to compare my journey with somebody else who's perhaps 20 years younger or five stone heavier or been lifting for 20 years or has perfect nutrition, perfect sleep. There's just no point. I compare myself to you know, my, my, my last PB, and if, if I get PBs, I'm I'm happy. I couldn't care less if I come last. And I think, again, that comes from um, a confidence that, you you know, you build, um, that you get from, from doing this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I get it. And uh, just on that note, then, it, just in terms of setbacks or, you know, when perhaps you don't quite hit it or you, you have it, you don't do as well in a particular day. Because I think I think the psychological lessons we can learn from this, it, for me, I take away so much from doing that physical and those incremental things, the setbacks. How do you how, how do you find those, you know, if you have a bad day or, or yeah. something? Not quite... um, I just I just remind myself that, you know, I'm not – this isn't I'm not a professional athlete you know this is just a hobby it doesn't matter if you know if, if this all goes a bit wrong and I don't you know I, I did a, a competition last week and I didn't get any reps on one of the events I mean, nobody cares nobody cares it doesn't matter it's a sport that I love some days it goes brilliantly other days you, you, you're not very good and it I just think well it doesn't matter I enjoy it um Sometimes it's difficult because when you've been lifting for quite a long time, the progress is obviously really slow. Um, sometimes you don't see progress. You kind of feel like you're a bit stuck. Um, but I just enjoy the training. I love the people. Um, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get too. I don't get too kind of wrapped up in. Oh well, I didn't. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. You just take the lessons and. And try and try and learn from it, but I certainly don't. I know some people 
you know, are absolutely destroyed when they have a bad competition. But I don't know, I just don't have that. Yeah. It doesn't affect me like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it is obviously individual, but also I think this is where, for me, the lessons are transferable to the rest of life, that we're going to have ups and downs. The rug's going to be pulled from us in, you know, unexpected ways. And how do we get our head back to you know we're down when we need to be down all that kind of thing but we get our head back in the game and learn the lessons and, and to yeah. pick ourselves back up and I think that's where these kinds of activities the goals the sports the working forwards the setbacks can really transfer yeah very much so and they definitely transfer into other areas of my life I used to be terrible for giving people who didn't deserve it <laughs> time energy again and it just drains you and definitely now the people that are in my life are in my life because they they bring something to it they add something to it um and I've got much stronger boundaries um find it much easier to sort of say no to people get rid of people who are good to have around me uh and all that comes from I would say a lot of that has come from the sport and feeling stronger physically gives you mental strength yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it. And this is why I, I I personally think that health, you know, when we're, if we're in a place, and it does happen to a lot of us in that midlife, you know, air quotes, midlife part, I don't think it's so much an age, it's more of a mindset. You get to a point where you think, is this it? But that uh, health is a great place to start yeah. because you can, you know, with those small incremental changes, you can build and build, but it has so much of a benefit in other areas of life, as you say, with the boundaries, the decisions you make, what, who, the friends you have, the yeah. goals you might set professionally, personally, whatever. I think it's such a big, a big part of it, and a, a great place to start. It pays back in so many ways. I think, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Just start small with something that you think you can improve um, with your health. Like, for, like I say, for me, it was a sleep. Then it was um, just being a bit more active, losing the weight, and it's it's been life changing. Yeah, cool. Just a quick one before, because I'm conscious we we've, we could probably talk a lot longer. To be fair, you, you mentioned that the, the, the current um, your current training, uh, and that you are you you are monitoring your calories at the moment, and and is that right, or you have been? How, how, well, I um I trashed my knee when I was out hiking, so I couldn't train very much for a long time, and then in January I had had knee surgery, so I couldn't do anything. Sorry. I was just laid up. And I was terrified that because I couldn't get out walking, running, couldn't do my strength training, you know, I was really worried that I was going to put the weight on. Because when I sit around the house doing nothing, that's when I just eat. So my my strongman coach also did nutrition. Um, So I signed up for a three-month plan, which was my downtime, um, just to be accountable to make sure that I didn't put the weight on because I thought, oh, if you know, if I put all the weight back on, will I go back? And I felt like I could really easily have gone backwards um, and, and lost all the good work. So that was really, um, for me, it doesn't seem um, natural or healthy to track every morsel that you eat and put it in an app all day. But I felt it was necessary because I really could have lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just being just being cooped up, you know, I couldn't drive, I couldn't do anything. And I, I just knew that, you know, sitting around all day and then sitting around all night at work on shift, um, I would I could have easily in three months piled a lot of weight on and I know how much it would have taken to kind of get back. So I just wanted to make sure that didn't happen. And so I signed up with him and I tracked 
um, all my macros, all my calories. I had to do it every day, every single thing I ate. Um, it was quite, you know, it was quite arduous, really. And then I had check-ins with him. and um, But it kept me, you know, it kept me sane for those few months. I don't do it now. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was helpful at that time in my life. And again, some people who need that sort of, you know, regimented, mm. that might be really good for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, for me, there's no, I mean, I suppose there are wrongs, but there's no right or wrong. It's about working out what's for you and knowing that there are tools that you can pick up and put down. You know, you yeah. don't need a hammer all of the time in your hand, but sometimes you've got a nail knock and you use it. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's a great example of, you know, we, there will be times, I guess, for many of us where an injury, something in life, a job change or something happens where suddenly your head is in a different place <laughs> Yeah. And and at that point, expecting you set yourself to to maintain what you were doing is probably is unrealistic or not there. So what can you do? Yeah, and that's when you might bring a tool like and as you say, accountability. And it sounds like that's really helped to then put you in a position where you can say, I don't need that tool anymore. Come back to it. Yeah, yeah, because you can get a bit obsessed with kind of food and. Um, for me, when I'm active, you know, that's enough. I've maintained my weight loss for quite a few years now, so I'm obviously doing something right. But for those few months, I knew I needed something different and something extra to stop me going backwards. And it, and it worked, and it was really good. And I know a lot of the ladies um, do nutrition, you know, constantly. They've, they've been on it for years, and they've lost tons of weight as well as getting massively stronger. So it's it's worked for them. Yeah. Everybody has different things so that work for them. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And from my point of view, I'm currently doing a bit of a calorie track and just as a, a test for me, yeah. um, because it was something I, I've done in the past, but I found it such a faff. It's a lot easier with apps now, but it's still a yeah. faff, isn't it? Yeah. But it's an education as well. Because yeah, very much. With my lifting, obviously, I had to eat a lot more protein and I, you know, kind of, I didn't know, how, but I had no idea how much protein I ate. And then when I started tracking it, my coach was like, you're not eating nearly enough to make make the strength gains that you want to gain so that was quite useful uh, but I do tend to eat the same thing so I don't need to track it now because I know just roughly what protein I get each day from doing that three months worth of tracking so yeah that's interesting actually because one of the things I'm finding is the the sort of hitting the sort of roughly the the calorie target that you're, you're aiming for is probably not the challenge the challenge is getting enough protein it seems to be yeah. That seems yeah. to be, I, I, I mean, I, just in my short experience of the last few weeks when I've been doing it, it's the environment we're in, it's so much easier to eat the carby stuff. And I'm not anti-carb by a long shot, but I think yeah. it's easy to eat that and to not eat enough of the protein sources Definitely, to get it. So, yeah. That was, you know, I would never, I would never ever have a problem eating enough calories. Like there were a couple of ladies at my yeah. gym, I'm like, oh God, I can't, I can't eat that much. Like, never a problem. I would ever have. I can't imagine myself saying that. So I would always, I would always easily be able to eat enough, enough calories. But you know, hitting that protein goal, and that was good because I had to kind of stick to the calories, and I had to get the protein in, and that didn't leave that much room for eating a load of junk. So that yeah. was really good. Changing, changing that, and eating a lot more protein. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's interesting isn't it i think because there's a lot of uh, i'm sure we could talk a lot longer about this but it's, it, there's a lot of myths or misunderstandings around taking in protein and even weight training muscle build strength building particularly in, in women and the worry about building big huge oh, and all that. Know, and I, think, I get this from everybody you know yeah. well-meaning family and friends yeah. and you know if people knew 
how difficult it was for women to put muscle on you have to you know just dedicate your life to this training you also have to be super lean so that the muscles will show um and if you want to get really big i mean they, these ladies take steroids so you you know matter how much you lift you are not going to get okay yeah. this is not going to happen you know people dedicate their lives to trying to get this muscle yeah. i mean i i look the same because i've got quite high body fat i think I quite like being curvy. I think when I'm nearly 50, I don't want the wrinkles. I like that bit of extra. So, yeah, I just look the same as what I did before I started lifting. I probably don't underneath, but I'm not lean enough to see that. Mm. But again, some people want to be and they would sort of strip that body fat off. And you, yeah, you definitely get a good shape if, if that's what inspires you. It's not what motivates me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's that, that's one of the perceptions. But the benefits of getting stronger for men and women, particularly in our age, that age group, you know, I mean, you're, you're younger than me. Um, but in, in the ages, we have to protect the muscle because it declines oh, and build yeah. because it can strengthen bones, you know, and, yeah. and protect us going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got grade four uh, osteoarthritis. It's really severe and advanced. My knee scans are like an eight year old. Um and the NHS have very recently changed their advice. It used to be, oh, you know, just do a little bit of walking and take all these drugs. And now they're saying, you know, you need to get strong. You need to support that knee with big quad muscles. It's the best thing you can do. Um, and, and it's helped. It's definitely helped my arthritis getting yeah. stronger. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, I've had a lot of old women, you know, what are you doing that for? Um, my husband's very supportive, but I know some of the ladies that do it, their husbands really aren't. You know, what's a woman doing it, especially of your age? But again, that comes down to just not really caring about what other people think, which yeah. is quite a good attitude to have. Yeah. But there are there are a lot of misconceptions. I know my family don't mean any harm when they sort of say, What are you doing? You're gonna hurt yourself, you're gonna look massive. And it's just they just don't it's just ignorance really, they just don't yeah. understand yeah. Um, the benefits of um, you know, like you say, protecting your protecting your bones, protecting your joints as you get yeah. older, just doing things like, you know, being able to get the girl downstairs, just living an independent life. I think it's for everybody, however old you are. And the older you are, probably the more important it is to do yeah. stress training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I often think about it's 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 building for midlife and beyond, isn't it? Because it's yeah. that protective factor. You, you're putting into a pension, a strength pension, or mm-hmm. well, you are. You yeah. are putting into that strength pension, and it, it's interesting about the myths and ignorance. It, it, it's understandable. I remember my granddad used to say because I, you know, when I was 16, I, I got into some Olympic lifting, the, the the weightlifting and things like that, and he'd say, "Oh, can't be building that muscle because it'll just turn to fat." And you know, and that was the myth. <laughs> yeah, it's when you stop, it'll all turn to fat. And like, yeah. like at the time, I thought, "Oh, don't be silly." And now you kind of you know that's not true, but yeah it's these pervasive myths that are obviously yeah. that still hang on in there yeah. so I, I, I understand yeah surrounding women and strength training that those those myths are huge for people yeah. who don't do it and I would say just do it and you'll see the benefits yeah. yeah 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 and I and and as I say this is one of the reasons I want you on the podcast was to share that because I think you know as a bloke I can only speak from a bloke's perspective um and I, I might say the same thing but it doesn't you know it's not it's not coming from somebody who's lived it breathed it and is doing and is an inspiration as well yeah. and you're not just an inspiration to the women you're an inspiration to me and and a lot of midlifers who are thinking are probably possibly in that position of thinking i've got to do something like i've got to do something yeah you i have just got to find you know that sport that's for you i mean yeah for me i mean i know you do crossfit and you love it but i mean 
I can't think of anything worse than CrossFit with my joints. I wouldn't last two minutes in a CrossFit gym. <laughs> These chicken and burpees and all this. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah pull-ups and stuff that they do I mean it's just you know I would hate it I would absolutely hate it and I know that if I joined a CrossFit gym I wouldn't last I wouldn't last two minutes yeah. so you've got to find something that you enjoy and that suits yeah. that suits you yeah yeah and I think that and think especially nowadays there is so many you've just I mean you've you've reamed off a handful of things that you've done there and are doing and and I think that's the opportunities we have at the moment you know so so I guess that's my my urging and, and encouragement and I guess firstly Elaine thank you uh, thank you for the journey that I've sort of shared on the, over the years and the inspiration you continue to be and good luck no, with thanks thanks for all the work that, that we've done together because it was definitely sort of meeting you that kick-started me into thinking you know there's more to life than this you know where can I start I need to sort my sleep out and then all the other topics that we've worked on have been been great it's been good it's been great well thank you very much Elaine um and now I'm I'm conscious that um you know, I would normally ask if there's any links and what have you. I don't want to ask you as, as somebody who's maybe not a professional in some particular industry. Um, but if there is, I don't know, is your with the lifting Instagram, is that something that you share outside or not? If it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is a public page, my Instagram. It's just called Elaine Hudson Lifting. And um, that, again, it's just um, when I very first started, my coach said, you know, track your journey. You don't don't yeah. just do it in the book. You can do it on videos, which will show your form, your technique, and you can look back at where you've come. So right from day one, because you know people on my Facebook, whatever, aren't interested in watching my training. So I set up a, an Instagram page just to document all my training. So it's like a video journey, and I've done that right from the beginning. And so all my training goes on there, and again, that helps keep me accountable. And I've met um, so many other female like strongman competitors and then when I go to the competitions it feels like a little community because we sort of know each other from social media and we've followed you know I follow lots of beginner like strong women and then I go to the competitions and we all know each other and it's just lovely yeah I know social media can be kind of toxic for people and but it's helped me again that's another tool that I've had that has helped me an awful lot is to document my training help keep me accountable um, you do get that encouragement from other people you get tips and all sorts of stuff on there yeah so yeah, yeah. that's been another thing that that um has helped me definitely yeah great and it's good to see the positive side because there is the, i mean within all of these things they get a lot of bad press and and, and rightly so in a lot of ways but the, there's a core point to them that people like to connect and share and and as you say yeah chart journeys and, and what have you so brilliant well thank you for your t- time Elaine it's been brilliant it's been lovely to catch up and also yeah, dig into it uh, and for the listeners I hope you've enjoyed it I hope you take some inspiration thank you for listening you'll find all show notes links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast and it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links, and if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure. <laughs>